Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. They look for Mike Sharich. Sharich doubled. Ball to the cutter. It's Clay Thompson. Bad pass through it over the shoulder looking for Looney turnover. Middleton comes up with it. Middleton to the front court. Lobbed on the Kupo with a dunk. Timeout Warriors. And that could be that. Bucks lead by 10. 120 to 110 with a minute 41 to go in the game. It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll bring you into the locker room and hear from Coach Kerr and the players. Highlights from the game, Warriors Wrap-Up starts now. Yes, it does. Warriors Wrap-Up here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy with you after the Warriors fall in Milwaukee to close up a back-to-back. They win in Chicago last night. Tonight in Milwaukee, a shorthanded Warriors team falls by a final score of uh, 129 to 118. The highlight you just heard there, Tim Roy, of course, here on 95.7 The Game. That was when the game got out of hand for the Golden State Warriors, uh, and it was in the final few minutes. The Warriors were in this game for like 45, 46 of the 48 minutes tonight, uh, and ultimately just not quite enough down the stretch. Uh, Milwaukee turned it on offensively in the fourth quarter. They score 46 points in the fourth quarter, believe it or not. It didn't really feel that bad because a lot of those towards the end were garbage time points. Um, But a a big-time offensive output for Milwaukee in the fourth quarter ultimately spoils a great effort by the Golden State Warriors who were playing without Stephen Curry, without Draymond Green, without Chris Paul, without Moses Moody, without Gary Payton II. A very short Handed Warriors team going up against a, a nearly fully available and healthy Milwaukee team. The only player Milwaukee was playing without, Jay Crowder. Uh, so all things considered, despite the loss, a positive performance for the Golden State Warriors. Plenty of positives to take away from this one. Uh, and I guess as we begin here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game, Mark Randy with you here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to hear from you guys all night long here on Warriors Wrap-Up, so give me a call. 888-957-9570. That's also the Comcast Business text line, uh, which I have up right now. And as always, I'm keeping an eye on our YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Shout out to all you guys on YouTube right now. YouTube.com slash 957thegame. Uh, Daniel Barry, D. Lou the Boss, uh, Yada, Yada Demean, uh, Carl, Swole, a couple of others, Eve, Romar, TJ, Steven. I see you all. Keep it going on YouTube. Again, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Uh, let's just start with uh, Stephen Curry resting tonight. Um, what do you guys think about that? you feel like this is okay? Stephen Curry rests the Warriors coming into this one 18-20, desperately in need of some wins. Do you feel like a Stephen Curry performance tonight um, would have gotten the Warriors the win? I think it's, it's totally understandable to, to give Steph a rest in this one, and Steve Kerr talked about it pregame. He is kind of running on fumes. A little bit, um, and I think you know you you feel you look at the performance tonight. Warriors ultimately lose by 11, but they were up. The game was kind of hanging in the balance in the final few minutes. I feel like sometimes the the logic tells you, well, if Steph played in this game, uh, the Warriors go on to win, right? Like they were really close without their best player. Uh, so what would it have been with their best player? They probably get a win. Uh, I think the Warriors kind of were caught in this area, and I guess more so the Bucks were caught in this area, um, 
where, you know, the Warriors are without Steph, without Dre, without Chris Paul, without Moody, without GP2, and you can kind of just take your foot off the gas pedal a little bit, right? I feel like if this was a game where Steph did play, Milwaukee maybe takes it a little bit more seriously from the jump, and while the Warriors lost by 11 without Steph, uh, maybe you have somewhat of a, of a similar result even if Steph does play. Now, that's not taking anything away uh, from what this Warriors unit and group did um, because it was very impressive. But I say all that just to say uh, it's first game that Steph Curry has missed due to rest this season, only the third game he's missed all season. He had some knee soreness in November, uh, game two games at home, Minnesota. That was the game where Clay and Draymond got ejected. If you remember that game, uh, when Clay and Jaden McDaniels got into kind of a tugging, tugging uh, match against each other's jerseys, Draymond came in to help uh, and choked Rudy Gobert, grabbed them around the neck for a few seconds. He got ejected and suspended. That was the first game without Steph Curry. If you remember that, uh, and then they also. Uh, were without Stephen Curry in a game against Oklahoma City, that first game against Oklahoma City, uh, the first game of, of two that they played consecutively at Chase Center early in the season. Uh, but only the third game Stephen Curry missed. Warriors now 0-3, 0-3 without Stephen Curry so far this season. Uh, but this one was, I think, relatively positive for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, it was an interesting lineup to begin the game, an interesting starting lineup for Stephen Curry. I felt like there were two legitimate options for Steve Kerr. Uh, one of them was what he went with, which was Brandon Pajemski at point guard, uh, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Dario Saric, Kevon Looney. Uh, the other option, I, I guess you could maybe make a case for some other starters three through five, um, but in terms of who's replacing Stephen Curry in the starting lineup, you had two options. Either it was going to be Brandon Pajemski or it was going to be Corey Joseph. Uh, and I'm sure like 99.999% of Warrior fans out there were happy that it was Pajemski and not Corey Joseph, despite the fact that Pajemski isn't really a point guard, uh, hasn't really played any meaningful minutes at point guard this season. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union, uh, the text line, the Comcast Business text line, 888-957-9570. I can't really recall Brandon Pajemski before tonight uh, playing any meaningful point guard minutes. Like when the game is in the balance, uh, not garbage time minutes when your team's down 20 points in the final five minutes. Like not that. He's had some of that. Um, but Brandon Pajemski getting the start at point guard and I'm sure it felt really good for him because he's returning home, not from Milwaukee city limits, but is from the area, had a bunch of friends and family in the building, and he, he was on the uh, NBC Sports uh, Bay Area halftime show. They had him on for a quick interview at halftime, and they asked him about all the friends and family he's got in the stands, uh, and he said, quote, my pockets are hurting. So he had to buy a lot of tickets for his friends and family, um, but he showed out. He was really, really good in this game. Brandon Pajemski, starting point guard for the Warriors tonight, uh, just a tick under 36 total minutes, 23 points. He had 10 rebounds, his third career double-double, also three assists, a couple of steals, and did not turn the ball over once. Did not turn the ball over once. Brandon Pajemski, the starting point guard, 23 points, 10 rebounds, did not turn the ball over once in his first really meaningful run at point guard for the Golden State Warriors. I was incredibly impressed with Brandon Pajemski. He was very good in this ballgame tonight. Um, and, I mean, he he hit a couple of three-pointers. I mean, he was three of five from downtown. He had a couple of crazy step-back, like sidestep deep threes. Uh, one of them was over Giannis, and it kind of felt like uh, a, a James Harden-style three-pointer, right? Uh, where he, he has the ball, he's facing up the defender, he's in the triple threat where he can either shoot dribble pass he hasn't picked up his dribble yet it's an active dribble and he does the quick little diagonal step not fully backwards but not fully to the side takes the one dribble sidestep shoots and hits it over the seven footer Giannis a really really nice shot there from Renan Pajemski and how many times would he drive to the rim nice finishes around the big men whether it was a great shot blocker in Brook Lopez whether it was Giannis Bobby Portis Bobby Portis got beat off the dribble time and time and time again tonight 
Um, so I think Brandon Pajemski, he might have opened Steve Kerr's eyes a little bit. Like, I could play this guy at point guard a little bit more than I previously thought um, because he hadn't really been getting any run at that position. But tonight, Steve Kerr was forced into using him at that spot because no Steph Curry and, of course, no Chris Ball. Um, so perhaps we see a little bit more Brandon Pajemski at the the point guard spot. And I think that allows the Warriors to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, creative in terms of their lineups. And I'll get to that more of that in a second here, but I want to make sure I hit the YouTube chat here. We got a super chat from not enough space, $2 from not enough space. Shout out, not enough space. Uh, he asks, is pods a better playmaker than clay? Uh, that's an interesting question. Not enough space. Um, because I feel like part of the reason why last night felt and looked good offensively for the Warriors uh, and why tonight you kind of felt more of the same there, it's because of almost everyone on on offense for the Warriors, everyone's willingness to pass a little bit more. And I think specifically that relates to Clay Thompson and Jonathan Kaminga, um, but certainly it, it relates to Brandon Pajemski, and he only had – uh, let's see, three assists tonight, not a astronomical number, and it's not going to jump out the page when you're looking at the, the, the stat sheet. Um, but he was really good, and, and I think he could become an option for the Warriors uh, at the point guard spot. Uh, we will see if, if that's an area, a position that Steve Kerr trusts him with more, and maybe with Steph Curry back, as everyone expects on Monday, again, just out today uh, to rest, uh, no injury at all to speak of. He'll play Monday, uh, barring something in, until you know the game. Uh, but he'll play Monday in Memphis, and the Warriors would really like that, of course, because they they would like to get a win in Memphis, a team playing without John ja Morant now. Um, but maybe as a result, we see more Brandon Pajemski as a legitimate point guard moving forward. What does that mean? Maybe it means less Corey Joseph. Uh, and maybe it also means that the Warriors would be a little more willing to move off of an expiring contract in Chris Ball, potentially, at the deadline. Uh, we, we can talk about all of that uh, a little bit later here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95-7 The Game. Um, but to get back to the question that was posed, again, by Not Enough Space on our YouTube chat, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, I think part of the reason why the Warriors... It feels a little smoother. It feels more, I don't know, repeatable. And, and you get a little bit of confidence from this Warriors team right now. It's because of, on offense, Clay Thompson, Jonathan Kaminga, to a lesser degree, not necessarily tonight, but certainly last night. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, Pajemski, certainly is involved with this group. Um, but he hasn't really surprised me necessarily with his willingness to pass. It's kind of what you expect from him. Um, but Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, and Jonathan Kaminga, those three together, it's been really difficult to play them on the court together. Um, but that has changed a little bit. And, and we spent so much time, not just me, but everyone else here on 95.7 The Game, talking about the... Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga, two-man unit, right? So much time talking about that unit. Well, well, you know, the Warriors can't get that unit to work. And if they don't get it to work, uh, then they're going to have a really hard time winning games this season because those are your two wing players. And if your wing players can't play together, it kind of forces your hand in terms of rotations and units to play together. And it's a big reason why I think a lot of people feel like the most likely outcome of the trade deadline, maybe more than anything else, is that Andrew Wiggins gets traded. But where I've seen a little bit of a shift from the Golden State Warriors the last two days, it is Clay Thompson, it is Andrew Wiggins, and it is Jonathan Kaminga making the right basketball decisions most of the times with the ball in their hands. Too many times before the last couple of games, you would the ball gets to any three of those guys, and this is more specifically about Kaminga and Wiggins than Clay, but the ball gets to any of those guys, and oftentimes you feel like that's the end of the possession. The ball is just kind of going to stick there. Like how many times did the ball go to Andrew Wiggins um, this season 
Say it's on the left wing, it's in the corner, it's it's on a post up, maybe in the short corner, and he spins and faces up, whatever the case is. Um, but you just kind of feel like he's not going to pass the ball. This possession is going to end with the ball in Wiggins' hand or or with a shot. And it it, it makes the offense obviously not it, it doesn't the ball doesn't move the offense isn't nearly as smooth everyone else all of the teammates you know offensively when that happens you just kind of stand around and wait for Wiggins to shoot the ball to to turn it over to shot clock violate like whatever the situation is and that had been the case I feel like for way too long and it was to a similar degree with Jonathan Kaminga I think for Kaminga's credit. He has pretty consistently all season when he's had the ball in his hands, he wouldn't just stand around and, and you know, face up and jab step, jab step, jab step for five seconds and, and kind of kill clock waiting for something to happen. He'd always just, you know, put his head down and drive. Sometimes, though, that would get him in trouble. If a double team comes, he'd try to split it and he'd lose the ball because he doesn't have the tightest handle yet at this stage of his career. But I feel like where the Warriors' offense has changed right now and why Kaminga and Wiggins are working a little bit better now is because when the ball gets to those guys, they're making the right decisions, whether it is to catch and shoot, whether it is to catch, jab step your defender, drive past him to the hoop. We saw Kaminga do that time and time and time again tonight, and I want to get more into that a little bit later. Um, whether it is when you catch to kick it to the corner. Clay Thompson is open there. He, we, we want him shooting that three-pointer. Whether it is to drive and kick, finding a rolling Trace Jackson Davis. I feel like the Warriors, and specifically those two wings play, wing players, who haven't really been able to play together yet this season, why it's feeling and working a little bit more, it wasn't great tonight. They shared the floor for, I think, like three and a half minutes in the third quarter, The Warriors, or in the second quarter. The Warriors were a plus three in those units. Um, but when they're on the court together now, they're making the better passes. There was one pass that Andrew Wiggins made tonight. He catches the ball in the short corner on the right side of the floor. He tries to back down his defender. He ultimately spins to the baseline, uh, and... As he's spinning baseline, Kavon Looney comes racing down the middle part of the floor because his man, Brooke Lopez, went to double Wiggins in that short corner because he sees him backing down his man, getting closer to the paint. In the past, I feel like Wiggins would try to throw up a tough shot or maybe he would try to spin baseline, get around his defender. Maybe his, he would step out of bounds. He'd try to, to make a tough pass when he's in the air, leaping out of bounds underneath the basket, and he threw it away, whatever the case would be. Uh, but here, instead of doing that, forcing something that the defense is is trying to actively encourage you to do, he made a nice wraparound pass, kind of a shovel around uh, the defender, the double-teaming defender of Brooke Lopez, and found on a, on the bounce a, a cutting Kevon Looney for an easy dunk. Uh, so I feel like that's an area where we're seeing this Warrior unit and this Warrior offense uh, get a little smoother together. Uh, and a big part of that, I think, is is the mindset of Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga specifically. This also relates as well to Clay Thompson. Um, but I feel like those three specifically do deserve a shout out uh, for that because it does feel like they are much more willing to pass the ball and to stick to kind of the flow. Uh, of the Warriors' offense. All right, really quickly, you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ, FM, and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app, Twitch, and YouTube, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, the smart choice for low auto loan rates and super simple online application process. It's Warriors' wrap-up here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy with you. Give me a call, 888-957-9570. That's also the Comcast Business text line, and I'm keeping an eye on our YouTube chat, youtube.com slash 957thegame. Uh, from the 510, uh, Wiggins, Looney, and Joseph should be replaced now with Quinones, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, and Kaminga. Um, I I get that take because of what we saw tonight, 510. Uh, Quinones was solid in his spurt tonight. Uh, let's see, how many minutes did he get tonight? Uh, Lester Quinones, 17 and a half minutes. Uh, scored six points with two was two of five from the field, grabbed four rebounds, 
a couple of assists. Uh, he was active, and you can tell. You can always tell when there's an end of the bench guy that gets in for action that isn't garbage time, uh, because generally speaking, they just come out there with a different kind of effort and intensity. Uh, and they're kind of just running all over the place. Uh, and for the most part, that helped Lester Quinones. But there was a couple of times where, like, all right, like, take a deep breath, right? Like, especially on the offensive side of the ball where he's kind of trying to do a little bit too much. But you could get it because you could get why that happens because you're you're trying really hard to make a, a very good impression when you're playing meaningful minutes for the first time in, in who knows how long. Uh, he was certainly solid. Um, I thought Looney, to, to the 510's point, thought Wiggins, Looney, and Joseph should be replaced by Quinones, Trey Jackson Davis, and Jonathan Kaminga. I thought Looney was great tonight. Uh, and he built off a really good game in Chicago as well. Kavon Looney had six points, six rebounds, three assists. I don't know if it's just my eyes. Um, you guys can let me know what you think on the YouTube chat. And in 510, you can chime in again uh, on our Comcast Business text line as well. Uh, feels like Kevon Looney the last couple of games moving a little bit better. Uh, moving a little bit better. Um, we'll see if that continues. Uh, but Looney, Looney was really good. How many times did he have a he, – he'd fight for a couple of really, really difficult offensive rebounds in this game. Uh, he had two – actually, let me check here. Kevon Looney had four offensive rebounds. He had six rebounds, four offensive rebounds, uh, and – I can't remember off the top of my head, but I feel like at least two of those offensive rebounds uh, led to buckets on second-chance opportunities for the Golden State Warriors. And it's not by any means, you know, Kevon Looney all-star season. I'm not saying that, but he has had a, a bit of a rough season. I feel like he's been a little bit better uh, the last couple of games for the Golden State Warriors. Trace Jackson Davis off the bench was solid, and he was part of that that run for the Warriors in the second quarter where they, they – they came back. Remember, they were down at the end of the first quarter by nine points, and then they won the second quarter by 11 to take a lead into the halftime break. Um, but I think a lot of the credit there we've got to give uh, is to Jonathan Kaminga. And I feel like there was a shift for the Warriors in this game. And it happened. It's kind of interesting because this is a, a unique and kind of a strange Milwaukee defense because they're so big, right? You've got Giannis at one forward spot. He's a seven footer. Chris Middleton at the other forward spot. He's he's not gigantic, but he's certainly not small either. But then you've also got Brooke Lopez. So you've got two seven footers essentially in your starting lineup. And your first guy off the bench is Bobby Portis, who's not quite seven feet, but he's pretty tall himself. This is a really, really big front line of the Milwaukee Bucks. But interestingly enough, they can be had in the paint. I think they give up like the second most points in the paint per game in the NBA uh, this season on average. But it it's it's not just like throw the ball into the paint and back down Brooke Lopez and back down Bobby Portis and try to go at Giannis from the post um, because they're big and strong and they're great rim protectors. And it felt like the Golden State Warriors, the plan in the first quarter – was the plan that worked for them against Chicago last night. Like, it was, all right, let's throw the ball into Kaminga on the post. Let's throw the ball into Wiggins on the post, and we'll just have them back them down. Because guess what? Against Chicago, that worked. Because who was guarding Kaminga against Chicago? Kobe White was at times, right? As Shaq would say, that's barbecue chicken. Give that to Kaminga every single time. Uh, and it worked. It worked time and time again last night. And the Warriors went to that in the first quarter. He went to that. Steve Kerr went to that. The Warriors went to that. Whoever's decision call it was, they went to that a lot in the first quarter. And what happened? Kaminga had kind of a slow first quarter because he was trying to back down from the post, from the block, bigger, stronger, and and really good defenders down low. And it, it wasn't quite working. Uh, in the first quarter, Jonathan Kaminga, six and a half minutes, two points, one of five from the field. And a lot of those, only one of those five field goals for Kaminga were three-pointers. One of five from the field, a lot of those were in the paint. And they were, you know, well contested by Brooke Lopez and by Giannis and by Bobby Portis and everyone else. Um, but then what happened? 
what happened in the second quarter, the Warriors entirely changed their plan of attack offensively. Instead of just throwing it into the post, they would bring Wiggins, and it wasn't as much Wiggins tonight uh, because Wiggins did have a rough shooting game, uh, but the strategy is the same for both Wiggins and Kaminga because they do share similar skill sets. Uh, but what they would do, instead of throwing it to Kaminga in the post, they would bring Kaminga out to the perimeter, bring either Portis or Giannis or Brook Lopez, whoever it was that was guarding Kaminga, and they'd throw it to Kaminga on the perimeter and have those big guys check him, you know, 25 feet from the hoop. And then Kaminga, with his quickness, give him a quick jab step, a crossover, drives past him, and then finishes. And, and, and it happened time and time again, and that's where Jonathan Kaminga got going offensively, and it's where the Warriors erased that nine-point deficit they found themselves in after the first quarter. Uh, so I credit the Warriors for adjusting and for finding the solution to the question in that first quarter. Um, and I, I think it shows that Kaminga and, and Dario Saric was also a big part of this, um, and Wiggins, to a certain degree, he had a couple of, of good takes, uh, but all in all, Wiggins only 7 points, 3 of 13 from the field, nothing to write home about. He just couldn't hit his shots tonight, although I did think his effort was a little bit better tonight, not not compared to last night, but compared to most of the season. Uh, but this is specifically about Jonathan Kaminga. I think you got to give him and the Warriors credit for realizing that what they did last night was not going to work tonight. Uh, and I think the Warriors are coming to the realization that Jonathan Kaminga isn't just a one-trick pony, um, that he can beat you in a number of different ways. And there was that switch from the first quarter into the second quarter, and it continued for the Warriors um, kind of the, the rest of the game. Uh, unfortunately for Golden State in the fourth quarter, Milwaukee got going offensively. They scored 46 points. Uh, and no matter how many times Kaminga would just race past Bobby Portis on the dribble, uh, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because uh, in the fourth quarter, Milwaukee was scoring nearly every possession down the floor. Uh, so a good game from Jonathan Kaminga. I don't know how I've gotten this far in Warriors wrap-up yet and have not yet said it. Uh, a career high in points for Jonathan Kaminga, 28 of them. Now a handful of them came late, and they were garbage time points for Jonathan Kaminga. But hey, 28 points is 28 points, and that is a new career high. He had 17 of those 28 in the fourth quarter, and not all of them were garbage time points. I mean, he made a couple of threes in the early part of the fourth that kind of kept the Warriors in the game early in that period. Um, he was really good in this game. He was really good in this game, uh, and, and he deserves uh, major kudos for being ready and, and coming off of the bench consecutive games. Uh, he was really good uh, in this one for the Golden State Warriors. And I think the same goes for Dario Saric uh, because Saric, I'm not sure he gets enough credit for his versatility on the offensive end. You can throw it to him on the block, and he's got an array of pump fakes and ball fakes and spins, uh, and he's a good passer out of the post. But he's got a little bit of wiggle to him as well. You can get the ball to him on the perimeter with a bigger man on him, and he'll drive past him as well. It doesn't; it's not as smooth and as sharp as Kaminga driving past a big man. Uh, but Sharch can do that as well. So I, I thought the Warriors' their plan of attack offensively it adjusted after the first quarter when it didn't work. The Warriors only scored 24 points, and it was pretty ugly offensively. In that first quarter, they shot only 41% from the field, 10 of 24 from the field, despite the fact that a lot of those were in the paint. Um, but they managed to draw the Milwaukee big men out of the paint and then attack them and, and get to that open space. All right, Warriors wrap up here on 95-7 the game. Mark Randy with you. We're going to hear from uh, head coach Steve Kerr now here on the postgame show. Mark Randy with you on 95-7 the game. It's about a three-minute uh, chunk of Steve Kerr from earlier tonight as he addressed the media after the Warriors lost 129-118 to in Milwaukee. We'll take a listen to the head coach. We'll come back, take more of your calls, more of your comments. 888-957-9570 on Warriors Wrap-Up. Here is Warriors head coach Steve Kerr. I thought our guys competed really hard, um, you know, tough back-to-back, -back, um, playing against a great team. I thought we really um, gave a great effort. We just, the game slipped away from us in the fourth. You know, they scored 46 points and felt like we had, um, 
you know, decent uh, control of the game defensively um, until that fourth, and then they got they got loose. But I'm really proud of the effort, and uh, the guys really fought. Was that your defense faltering in the fourth, or was it, it looked like a few plays Giannis just sort of asserted his will? Yeah, there were there were a couple breakdowns. Um, you know, I thought the key was uh, Chris Middleton got going, and when he got hot during that stretch, um, you know, that helped Giannis get free because we had to pay so much attention to Chris. And uh, there was a rebound off a free throw. That was a huge play. I think it turned into a four-point play. Play a um, couple plays where we we um, you know wanted to, to to double Giannis and he um, you know he went to the rim before we could get there. Um, but they you know give them credit they they played a great fourth quarter. For the first three quarters, though, especially in the second quarter, you limited them to like twenty something, like low in the twenties for points. Yeah. What what was the biggest change that you saw defensively? compared to the past you know, couple games. It's just how hard the guys were playing, you know, and that's all we've talked about is the last few days is, um, you know, we clearly lost our uh, our belief and our, our um, spirit, our edge, whatever you want to call it, um, for those last two home games of our homestand, and it was embarrassing for all of us, and I think um, you know, the last few days, that's what we've talked about. Um, our guys have played really hard the last two nights, and that's the standard uh, that has been set here for a long time. And uh, as long as we play that hard, I'm I'm good with you know whatever the results are. Um, I think we'll give ourselves a chance to win every night when we compete like that. We talked about Brandon being back in his hometown. How did you think he played tonight? Brandon was fantastic, yeah. Um, you know, without Steph, obviously we needed um, his offense, and, um, you know, he came through in a big way. Um, he's a really crafty player. You know, he knows how to get to the rim. He's got that Euro step. Um, he just has a feel and a knack. He's had 10 rebounds, I think. Um, it's one of the things we love about him. He just seems to be a step ahead of the play all the time. Seems like Jonathan has games where he's really locked in, others where he kind of just fades. Mm-hmm. And he obviously was very locked in last night. Mm-hmm. Looked early tonight like he might be fading, but then he snapped yeah. back to life. Did you any sense of what got him rolling a little bit? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it is with with young players. Um, you know, it's a little up and down. And um, I thought uh, J.K. really stayed with it after the slow start, and he did a really good job of attacking, getting downhill, and. Um, you know, he had a big, big scoring night, and um, he continues to to grow. So um, he's doing a great job. All right, there's uh, Warriors head coach Steve Kerr uh, after the game today, addressing the media again after the Warriors fall one twenty nine to one eighteen. Uh, just following along with the conversation going on right now. Uh, on our YouTube chat, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, youtube.com slash 957thegame. TJ saying, uh, you know, in response to what Steve Kerr said about the game slipping away in the fourth quarter, it slipped away because he took Kaminga out in the middle of the fourth. Uh, It still makes no sense. They went down 10 while he was on the bench. TJ, I'm looking through the play-by-play log here right now. Kaminga checked out with 4.37 to go in the fourth quarter, and the Warriors were down 7. He came back in the game with a minute 40 left, so at that point the game likely over. Warriors were down 10. Uh, so the Warriors were down seven by the time that he checked out, and he's been he'd been playing a lot of minutes up to that point. I get wanting to keep him on the floor because he was playing really well uh, in that fourth quarter, but I think you are uh, over exaggerating just a little bit because it was a seven point game by the time that Kaminga came out. Um, but he responded well to it. I mean, he he played really well in in those first six minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, and then when he came back in the game, I mean, at that point it was garbage time, uh, but he, he scored another six points in the final minute and a half. Um, he was he was really good for the Warriors tonight, uh, and he played 30 minutes. He played 30 minutes tonight. That's, that's a bunch of minutes for a guy coming off of the bench, and it's, again, why I feel like, and maybe I sound like a broken record, apologies if you've heard me say this five times already, but... There's so much talk about starting and the reports from Kaminga's camp that he's lost faith in Steve Kerr and uh, he's not going to reach his full potential with the Warriors. I get, like, maybe from an ego standpoint, like, I'm a starter on the Golden State Wars. Like, I get that. That's got to feel nice. Uh, but there's it's, there's so much more 
you know, to being an effective quality basketball player and, and being able to impact winning uh, on your team than just being in the starting lineup. And Jonathan Kaminga, the last two nights specifically, has done a really good job of that. Came off the bench in Chicago, came off the bench tonight, uh, and you can argue as one of the Warriors' three best players both games. He was really good last night, and again tonight, 28 points, 9 of 18 from the field, made two more threes and only three attempts, a couple of rebounds, three rebounds, two assists, had a block, a great block. Uh, I think it was of, was it of Giannis? He had a nice block from behind chasing down someone. He was really good and did not miss a free throw as well. Six of six uh, from the free throw line was Jonathan Kaminga. Something else that Steve Kerr talked about was Brandon Pajemski. He just always seems to be like in the right area uh, and making all the right plays and the right moves. There was a moment. Uh, it was at the very end of the first quarter. Uh, the Warriors at that point were down, I think, around nine points. Remember, and they ultimately lost the, the first quarter by nine. It was 33-24 to 24 after the first, but it could have been a whole lot worse. And there was a moment where Pajemski got a rebound and just beat everyone down the floor, had a fast-break bucket. All right, Warriors get two more points there, fast-break bucket for Brandon Pajemski. Then he gets the defensive rebound again, pushes the ball up the floor, uh, and looks for Sharge. Sharge, you know, tries to dribble, pass, whatever. He ultimately turns it over. But it was a good rebound and good push by Pajemski. Then on the other side, uh, Pajemski draws a charge on Bobby Portis. After the turnover by Sharge, Pods gets back down the floor, plants his feet outside of the restricted area, draws another charge. And then on the next ensuing offensive possession, he sets up Trace Jackson Davis for an easy lay. And so he, he had a rebound, fast break bucket, rebound and push, draws a charge, and sets up Trace Jackson Davis for the easy dunk. An incredible sequence for Brandon Pajemski when you consider that he's playing his first meaningful minutes at point guard. He's a rookie, uh, and he's playing in his hometown in front of friends and family uh, where you know that maybe he's putting a little bit of pressure on himself to play well. Uh, And he has sequences like that all the time where he gets a steal on one end, uh, you know, finishes with an acrobatic reverse layup on the other end, then gets a deflection, draws a charge, uh, directs traffic, and navigates a screen and roll and, and passes to the cutter uh, at the right time. Uh, he, he does so many of those little things so well, uh, and it's, it's, it's really good to see from Brandon Pajemski. And as I said earlier, I do think there is a world where with this performance tonight, Steve Kerr now becomes... Uh, more willing to play Brandon Pajemski at the point guard spot. He hasn't really done that at all this year, and I think that ability not necessarily is going to transform the Warriors into a great defensive team because I'm just not sure that they have um, the roster and the personnel to do that. But if you get Brandon Pajemski minutes at point guard and you feel comfortable with that, First of all, it, it means less of, of Corey Joseph, which I know a lot of Warrior fans would be fine with. Uh, seems like every comment on our on our YouTube chat about Corey Joseph, everything I see on Twitter, uh, safe to say a lot of Warrior fans, not fans of Corey Joseph. And to be completely honest, if the Warriors are healthy, Corey Joseph would not play anything beyond garbage time. So Steve Kerr's hand is kind of forced at times. But the point I'm trying to make is, is... If Brandon Pajemski can prove, and I think he took the first step toward that tonight, if he can prove that he can play legitimate uh, point guard minutes, what that allows is the Warriors to get Brandon Pajemski on the floor while also not sacrificing a bunch on defense. Because Brandon Pajemski's first nine starts this season, tonight was Pajemski's 10th start, his first nine starts came with three guard lineups. He would be starting alongside Curry, Clay, Kaminga, and Looney, generally speaking, but always alongside Curry and Clay. So your starting lineup is Curry, Clay, and Pajemski. And given what we know about Clay Thompson and his his injuries, uh, Steph Curry is now about to be 36. Like that's not nearly the defensive unit that it used to be. And now you throw a third small guard in there. Not that Pajemski is a bad defender. 
but you throw him in there and you ask that team to try to defend no matter who the four and five are, you're going to have a hard time. So what Pajemski's ability as point guard allows this Warrior team to do is it allows you to get Pajemski on the court as a ball handler to spell Steph, potentially. At times, you could play him with Steph, of course, and and given how many minutes that both those guys play, that will happen. But with Pajemski being able to work as your backup point guard, you don't have to play. You don't feel like you need to play you know, other guards or at least two other guards alongside Pajemski because you feel like he can handle some of the ball-handling duties moving forward. And that means you can play a bigger lineup. Maybe when Moody comes back, you play Moody at the three and Kaminga at the four and Looney at the five or Trace Jackson Davis at the five or Trace Jackson Davis at the four and Looney at the five. When Draymond's back, you play Draymond at the four and Looney at the five to go with maybe Kaminga at the three. And suddenly you have a better defensive unit uh, because you're not being forced into playing a three-guard lineup And the reason why, again, is because you feel like you have a little bit more confidence in Brandon Pajemski moving forward because of what he showed tonight working as a a primary ball handler. So I think that's a good sign for the Warriors, and I'll be keeping an eye on his rotations and his minutes and who he's paired with uh, because I don't think the three-guard lineups for the Warriors can really work anymore. If it's Pajemski, Steph, and Clay, if for whatever reason – Chris Paul is not traded at the deadline and he comes back and when he returns, if it's Steph, Clay, and CP3 or any combination of those four guys, I don't think you can have three of them on the court together. That much. Draymond will help that because Draymond is still an elite defender, but those three on the court together, it's it's tough to make it work defensively. It really is. Uh, so Pajemski being a little more versatile offensively than maybe we previously thought I think it has a chance to really help this Golden State Warrior team. All right, over to the phones we go. Uh, Actually, first, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, So D and Junior, I'll get to you on the other side. Hang with us through this break. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, hear uh, your calls. We'll take a a few more uh, comments as well, and then we'll wrap things up on the other side. As Warriors wrap-up continues, the Warriors fall to the Bucks. Final score, 129-118. to More Warriors wrap-up coming up next on 95.7 The Game. Now back to Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back. Warriors Wrap-Up continues here on 95.7 The Game after the Warriors fall to the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee today. Final score, 129-118. to 118. That highlight you just heard, Tim Roy, of course, here on 95.7 The Game. And it's just another example of the feel that Brandon Pajemski has for this game. Uh, it was... I, I can't recall if it was in the third quarter or the fourth quarter, but it was off of uh, a long offensive rebound by Milwaukee where the Warriors are kind of scrambling, trying to find the basketball. Ultimately, the the uh, the Bucks get it, and they're trying to reset the offense, and Pajemski was one of the guys racing for the rebound, and it kind of bounced towards the right corner. So Pajemski's momentum is carrying him out to that right corner, um, but a Buck gets it before he does, and Pajemski realizing where the outlet is for that that buck who got the offensive rebound, it's the right wing guard, which is Damian Lillard. Pajemski, before his opponent even has the ball in his hands, knowing what pass he's going to make, before he even gets the ball, he begins running to cut off that passing lane. And before the buck, I can't remember who it was that got the pass uh, in or got the rebound in the corner. I think it might have been Andre Jackson Jr. coming in off the bench. I, I think it might have been him. Before he can realize that Pajemski's in the passing lane, you know, his muscle memory is is taking him to pass it that way, and he does. Pajemski intercepts it because he knew the right place to be on the court, and he gets an easy fast-break dunk in front of his home crowd. That's just one of many examples in this game throughout the entire season that shows that, that Brandon Pajemski has that kind of sense on the basketball court. And it, it's just something that you either have or you don't. You can't really teach it. Uh, and, and that's maybe reason number one why he, since he, he got into the lineup and since he got a rotation shot, he's only been getting more and more minutes 
um, because he makes plays like that uh, every single night. All right, as promised, let's get out to the phone lines. Honor Warriors wrap up 888-957-9570. Let's go to D from D.C. D, what's up? You're on Warriors wrap up on 95.7 The Game. How you doing? D, you there? Hello, D. All right, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, D not there. Uh, that's fine. We'll go on to Junior from Pacifica. Junior, what's up? You're on a Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. Hey, man, this is good to hear, and it was a good game to watch tonight, just like the game last night. Uh, good stuff from the Warriors, which I, I really appreciate as a fan. I, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant, but I think you'll agree with me, so I don't think you'll mind. Like, the biggest mistake fan or someone calling into a show like yours can make is to say, if Joe scores 12 points in 12 minutes, he'll score 24 points in 24 minutes and 48 points in 48 minutes. Like, this stuff is hard. It's extreme performance, even in a regular season NBA game, let alone a playoff game. So, coaches have to develop players and they have to let them make mistakes and they have to let them build a few of you guys hosts have been pointing out you know the prime players are 26 to 28 years old because that's where strength keeps developing for a while past 21 22 and skill keeps developing as well after that strength starts to diminish you know so it, it's not just you can't just multiply people's numbers and say okay so the perfect you know uh, a video game version of the Warriors would do this that and the other thing it just doesn't work that way so like my fellow callers don't be stupid and, and assume this is going to happen and, and don't be stupid and assume Kerr is stupid because he knows what I'm trying to tell people so excuse the rant but I, I think uh, I like the idea of keeping the core together for a while Letting them come back, seeing what's developing. A lot of these players are growing. This year may not be a championship year, but man, if we put some time and effort into developing our players and make one smart trade, I'm not smart enough to say what it is, we might be in really good shape for next year. Yeah, I uh, appreciate the call, Junior. Thanks for, for tuning in as always, and, and always love hearing from you on Warriors Wrap Up. Uh, I, I think that's, that's a fair a fair observation, right? Like just because someone was effective in his stint doesn't mean if you give him more minutes, he's going to continue being that effective. And it also doesn't mean he's not going to, um, but it's not just something we can assume. I think something that, you know, a lot of us do if we're into the statistics of basketball, like you look at a player's per 36, right? Like instead of just his per game averages, like, I mean, Jonathan Kaminga is a, a good example. He's definitely not averaging 36 minutes per game. Um, but, you know, if you look at his per 36, you know, per game averages, like per 36 minutes, he does X. You, you know, he scores 22 points per game or whatever the number is. I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, but if you just look at his points per game, it's probably around like 13 points per game. Um, but he's averaging you know, 25 minutes a game, something like that. But if you were to look at his thir per 36 minutes, that's just an extension. You're just multiplying numbers. So I think that is that is uh, to, to Junior's point there. But just because he's not getting that minutes also does not mean he's going to play poor uh, in those minutes either. But there is, there is kind of a statistical component uh, to that as well. All right, uh, we got D from D.C. back on the line. Uh, D, we're going to try this again. How you doing on this Saturday? Uh, what do you think of that Warrior game tonight, D? Well, how you doing? I'm doing well, D. Good to have you. What happened the first time, man? I don't know what happened to the combo, man. I don't know, but uh, I guess I guess <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead though, D. What'd you think of that Warrior win or the Warrior loss tonight? It felt like a win at times. Let, 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 first, let me let me let me clear, quickly say that I think you're doing a hell of a job with the afternoon or after game um, report, man. You're doing a hell of a job. Thank but you, anyway, D. I appreciate I that. Say, absolutely. What I wanted to say is uh, the kid doing X had a great game tonight. A great game. TJ uh, TJD and Pod, man, what a pick. I don't know where the GM went to to, to discover these two young. Wow, I'm so proud of of, of they, they have everything. They have the IQ. They have the 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 the, 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 the 
special within the system if Kerr allowed them to. But anyways, in my opinion, um, every game, every game the last the last couple of years, I expect for either Kerr to lose the game or for the referees to turn around and give the game games to to, to the opposing teams. Kerr could have could have saved the game tonight, in my opinion. In the last, uh, in the fourth quarter, had he not played Sarich and Looney together at the front court, we probably would have pulled this one game out. Um, Looney is dead, man. Looney, Looney does not deserve the minutes that he's getting this year at all. Sarich is okay because he's passing the ball and he's also scoring. But Looney is a net negative. Aside from Wiggins, I think Looney is one of the reasons why our record is as bad as it is. Kerr needs to evolve from Looney and allow TJD the opportunity to play because he showed something tonight. He showed that the P&R between himself and Clay is something that we can rely on. We can rely on that. That gives us an excess, excess opportunity to score the ball as well as to keep the defense guessing. You know, we're no longer passing the ball uh, to, to Steph or Clay to, 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 to shoot the three or all of that. Play in the interior and score the ball. Because TJD adds a lot of rim pressure, man. Curry needs to evolve and allow that young boy to play instead of Looney. That's what I got, man. Yeah, appreciate the call, D. Always, uh, always uh, like hearing from you they on these uh, the Warriors. the basketball version of Blue Chew. <laughs> oh, goo. That's a classic gooism right there. Um I think D's point about Brandon Pajemski and Trace Jackson Davis is is right. I agree with um, those two. You clearly have just a couple of, of rookies that understand the game of basketball that, generally speaking, are in the right spot. They have that feel. They have that innate sense. Um, part of it maybe for Trace Jackson Davis is because his dad, Dale Davis, an NBA veteran, he's been around the game his entire life. Um, at a professional level, um, so that certainly helps. But Pajemski as well, he has it. He has it, and and you you see it like the second that he steps on the floor, he just is in the right spot. He's rarely caught off guard. He gets two spots on the floor that you don't expect him to get to, and that's because of his anticipation. Uh, and he he uh, oftentimes knows what's coming before it happens. Um, I will say maybe to fire back at D just a little bit. If I were to ask you guys, uh, which two Warriors you think were positive in the plus-minus tonight? There were only two of them. Which two Warriors were positive in the plus-minus tonight? I, Unless you're looking at a box score or you've already looked at one and you already noticed this, I'm not sure anyone would get these two players. I'm going to give you just a little bit to maybe get some guesses in on the YouTube chat. Uh, YouTube.com slash 957thegame, uh, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, or on the uh, Comcast Business text line, 888-957-9570. Uh, there were only two of them. One of them, I think, was a result mostly of uh, – there was not quite fully garbage time, uh, but the Warriors got a couple of buckets at the, in the last few moments that, that helped. Um well, someone got it. Swole Mole got it. Uh, the two Warriors that were positive in the plus or minus, Lester Quinones and Kavon Looney. Those are the two positives for the Golden State Warriors tonight. Looney in 18 and a half minutes. He had six points, six rebounds, three assists, uh, had a block, did not turn the ball over. He was a plus seven in his 18 and a half minutes. And then Lester Quinones uh, was a plus nine in his 17 and a half minutes uh, with six points, four rebounds, and a couple of assists. So, uh, uh, good job to you guys on the YouTube chat. Um, and I know using one game plus minus doesn't mean much. Uh, and and to Dee's point, Looney has had a rough season. He hasn't looked like he's been moving well. Uh, and and his, his touch around the rim has gone a little bit. And think back to like the, the 2022 playoff run, specifically that series against, what was it, Dallas? Memphis and Dallas, when Looney would just routinely have 20 rebound games, uh, he's not quite that player right now. I don't know if maybe he's gained a little bit of weight, if if maybe he's dealing with uh, an undisclosed injury, something that isn't enough to to keep him out of games, but maybe has him hobbled just a little bit because D is right. He's not – he doesn't seem as quick 
uh, or as spry as he has been in the past. But I thought he was solid tonight, and and he was good. He was good uh, last night as well for the Golden State Warriors. Um, but Looney, Looney and Lester Quinones, the two Warriors in the positives and the plus minus. Everyone else was negative. Brandon Pajemski was a minus one in his 35 minutes. A minus one in your 35 minutes when you play almost, uh, I mean, you play like, he played more closer to 36 minutes, by the way, 35 minutes and 44 seconds. You play like all but 12 minutes. You play three quarters of this game in a game where you lose by 11. And you're a minus one. That's pretty darn good. Pretty darn good from Brandon Pajemski. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis was good as well for the Warriors. Uh, but this game just got away from them in the fourth quarter. Aside from that fourth quarter, uh, when the Milwaukee Bucks outscored the Warriors by nine, they put up 46 points. They outscored the Warriors 46 to 37. Aside from that fourth quarter, the Warriors were in control of this game. Um, there was a moment where Clay cut the the lead by Milwaukee to five points. He hit a three pointer. Uh, with about three and a half left in the fourth quarter, it cut the lead from eight down to five at 113 to 108. And then Milwaukee just turned on the gas. In the next three minutes, they went on a 10 to two run and a 12 to four run. They pushed that lead from five up to 13. And that was kind of the end of the game. They ultimately score 46 points in that fourth quarter. But aside from that run to close the fourth quarter, the Warriors controlled this game for like the other. Like the other 43-ish minutes, there was one moment middle of the third quarter where Milwaukee went on a really quick 10-0 run. Uh, It was because uh, there was uh, a Giannis and one. A Giannis and one. He missed the free throw. Milwaukee got the offensive rebound, led to a Giannis dunk. So that's a four-point possession. That's an immediate 4-0 run. Then they got a stop. And Milwaukee hit a three, an immediate 7 nothing run. Then Milwaukee got another stop. They hit another three, and it was a 10 nothing run over 70 seconds of basketball. A 10 nothing run over 70 seconds on three possessions. And your lead suddenly is a deficit. And at that moment, I don't know how you guys felt, but I was thinking watching this game from our 95-7 The Game Studios, like, that's the, the the minute of this game. That's the moment that I'm circling as as kind of the turning point. But the Warriors responded, and and they fought back with the run of their own. They got back in the game. They got back even only were down by two points to begin the fourth quarter, uh, and they were in this game for much of the fourth quarter again until that really that ten to two and twelve to four run for Milwaukee over a three minute stretch. Uh, to close out this game. But everything up until that, the Warriors were there step for step with the Milwaukee Bucks. And and part of you maybe argues or or thinks that, you know, the Warriors playing without Steph, playing without Draymond, playing without Moody, playing without Chris Paul, playing without GP2, uh, maybe Milwaukee kind of slept walk through this game. They took their, their pedal, their foot off the pedal just a little bit. Uh, because they, they realized that Steph wasn't playing and, and everyone else was out. And then they kind of got it together in the fourth because they realized they were in for a fight. Um, but that, that takes nothing away from what this Warriors unit did uh, up to that point. All right, couple things to take care of before we do wrap up here on Warriors Wrap Up on 95-7 The Game. We begin with extending the three-point line, and for that, we'll uh, turn to a guy we talked a lot about already here on Warriors Wrap-Up. That is the Milwaukee native, the rookie, Brandon Pajemski. Pajemski gets a live dribble as a result. Waits, seven to shoot, now looks, dribbles, and shoots a three over on the Kupo and hit it! Stepping to his right with the triple. That was the one I was talking about earlier where it was like a James Harden sidestep, kind of the diagonal step, not backwards, but not completely sideways. The diagonal sidestep that James Harden has perfected. Damian Lillard is also very good at it, and Brandon Pajemski did it as he was facing up the seven-foot Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, And he sidesteps him to the right, which is kind of a little awkward to do for a left-handed shooter. Pajemski is a right-handed or is a left-handed shooter, and he sidestepped to the right because you're releasing that ball on the left side of your head, which is closer to the guy you're you're sidestepping away from, right? Um, but he still managed to get the shot off over the top of Giannis, uh, and I I think a, a reason why that was able to happen and why Pajemski was able to get that uh, 
that shot off is because what the Warriors did to Giannis, did to Brooke Lopez, did to Bobby Portis time and time again from the wing. They would bring him out whether they were matched up with Kaminga or Sharich or even Pajemski on occasion, and the Warriors would just drive right past him. So as a result, uh, Giannis has to respect that driving ability, and he, he gave Pajemski a little bit of room to hit the three and he knocked it down. So that is extending the three-point line brought to you by West Coast Men's Health, successfully treating men for ED and chronic pain. Visit westcoastmenshealth.com. All right, up next here on Warriors Wrap-Up as uh, we're getting close to officially wrapping things up here on 95-7, the game as the Warriors fall to the Milwaukee. Uh, excuse me, to the Milwaukee Bucks, 129 to 118. Uh, and that is our hardest worker of the game, brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office, who works hard to serve the community. Are you looking for a career in law enforcement? Learn more about job opportunities at joinacso.com. And for our hardest worker of the game tonight, I think I got to give this one to Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga, a career high 28 points. He was 10 of 18 from the field. His second consecutive hyper efficient game shooting wise, he was 2 of 3 from downtown. He made all six of his free throw attempts. Uh, uh, the Warriors as a team shot 14 free throws. Kaminga shot six of them. Uh, the Warriors as a team were 9 of 14 from the free throw line. Kaminga was 6 for 6. He did not leave any points on the line. He was really good. And over the last, like, week and a half, maybe the last, like, five games, uh, Kaminga's free-throwing has skyrocketed. He, he's done a really good job shooting the ball from the stripe, and he's getting a lot of free-throws. He's getting a lot of opportunities because he's getting to a point where Kaminga realizes if he's got a smaller guy on him, you know, get it to me in the post. I'm going to back him down. I, I got a number of moves. My my little mid-range fadeaway spinning jumper is pretty effective and efficient. Uh, and then if you got a bigger guy on me, guess what? I'll bring you out to the perimeter. You don't respect my shot. I'm going to take one. And, you know, he's been hitting them the last couple of games. But if you're pressing up on me, I'm going to drive right past him because I'm quicker than you. Uh, and he's getting to the rim, and he's getting to the line a lot, and him making those free throws is helping out. So Kaminga, 28 points, 10 of 18 from the field, did only have uh, three rebounds. You'd like to see that number a little bit higher from Kaminga, uh, two assists as well. But the big one for Kaminga, and a sign that he's making the right decisions with the ball in his hands, zero turnovers. And that has been a problem for him at times. Kaminga, zero turnovers and uh, effective from the field. You shoot a good percentage from the field and you don't turn the ball over. What does that tell you? It tells you when the ball is in your hands, you're making the right decisions. Uh, so a big positive there for Jonathan Kaminga. And as a result, he is our hardest worker of the game. Again, brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. All right, that'll do it for Warriors Wrap-Up on this Saturday evening. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we are back with more Warriors basketball on MLK Day. Happy MLK weekend, everybody. The Warriors are in Memphis on Monday. Tip-off is at 3, uh, which means pregame coverage begins at 2. I will have it for you with Warriors Live. Uh, you can listen, of course, all Monday morning and into the early afternoon uh, to the morning roast. And Steiny and Goo, I will take over right after Steiny and Goo at 2 o'clock as we get ready for Warriors and Memphis. Steph Curry will be back, and there is a chance that Draymond Green returns from his long absence on Monday in Memphis. Steve Kerr said pregame today there's a chance that Draymond plays in Memphis or in Utah or both. Uh, there is a chance we will likely know more about that tomorrow and, of course, on Monday. Uh, so make sure you're locked in to 95.7 The Game uh, for all of your updates. Again, tip-off is at 3. Coverage begins at 2. The Warriors in Memphis on Monday as they try to guarantee at least a 500 road trip. And considering who Memphis is now playing without John Morant, uh, that is a game the Warriors uh, really feel like they should win, and they probably feel the same way in Utah, despite the fact that that has at times been kind of a house of horrors for the Warriors. It's always difficult uh, to play in Utah. But first things first, the Warriors in Memphis on Monday at 3, coverage beginning at 2 here on 95.7 The Game. 
for our whole crew here at 95.7 The Game, Chris O'Connell and Sterling Bennett. My name is Mark Randy signing off. Thanks to all of you for tuning in on this Saturday evening. The Warriors fall in Milwaukee, but the shorthanded dubs put up a good fight. Final score 129 to 118. You've been listening to Warriors Wrap Up right here on 95.7 The Game. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.